1: to the denver stiffs show i am your host ryan blackburn at nba blackburn on twitter it is thursday morning as we get into it on the denver stiffs podcast network i am joined today over skype by my two friends and co-workers social media director jenna garcia and newest contributing writer to denver stiffs gage bridgeford uh jenna how are you doing
2: Doing pretty good, you know. Excited for the homes, like the home games, because they were kind of on the road for a bit there. But I'm I'm excited for this weekend, getting a few games back to back.
1: We have been at Pepsi Center a lot over the <laughs> course the first bit of the season. The Nuggets had, I think, ten of their first sixteen games or so were at home, and that was great for Denver. They were able to get out to a hot start, but it was it was really tough to cover that. And just just in my first season as a media member. It was it was a lot of stuff. Just just yeah. a lot of obligation. But we're having a good time with it. It's been great. We've
2: definitely been there a lot, yeah. Mm.
1: Um and Gage Bridgeford. Gage, how are you doing, man? It is another wonderful Wednesday, Ryan. It is
0: just going absolutely fantastic for me.
1: Good to hear it. And again, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. It'll date it'll debut and drop Thursday morning. Uh, this is so that we can all get together and, and talk about all things nuggets and
2: Let's get together, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we do it. That's what we're doing. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things today. There are some questions that I feel need to be answered about this Nuggets team, especially with the road trip that just happened. They went 1-3 and three on this last road trip. Uh, their first game, they won against the Garrick Knicks in a game that everybody expects them to win. They actually got David Fitzdale fired. They weren't the the only team that got him fired, but they they kind of gave the Knicks the death sentence before David Fitzdale was sent packing. Then they went to Boston on a back-to-back and got uh, trounced. Uh, that was on Stiff's Night Out for the, the Denver Nuggets party. It wasn't a great night <laughs> to party, that's for sure.
2: Uh <laughs> hey there were tons of giveaways don't listen to what Ryan said come to the Stiffs night out it's really fun and there were tons of parties and oh the
1: party was great don't get me wrong like i'm 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 happy with how things turned out and it was great however the game, the game was not was, no fun. was not the but we made it fun um, we at least we wallowed in our pity together it was entertaining we took shots the dancers danced <laughs> uh it was great we had a good time Man, um, i missed out i like the Jeez. order you put that in <laughs> <laughs> uh, i yeah. took
2: shots the dancers dance interesting order there oh yeah Ryan. it
1: was you know i i it sounds like i was more at a strip club than than actually at a party so <laughs> it's it is what it is nobody will actually know what i was doing uh, okay back to the, the nuggets know. on on sunday um who do they play? Oh, they played Brooklyn on Sunday. They played that game, that was a matinee game, where they played 1 p.m. Mountain Time, 3 p.m. Eastern. I give them a pass for that game because it's it's kind of, it's tough. Uh, it's tough to, to play on a road trip at a Sunday afternoon. But then they also played in Philadelphia on Tuesday night, and they the offense just doesn't look the same. Things are things are just off and and while each of those games can really be explained away with various occurrences like a back-to-back or i don't know a, or a sunday matinee game or losing jamal murray to injury the fact is they haven't responded well to that adversity and they've lost every single one of the games that are kind of contentious. so uh gage i'll start with you. what do you what was your biggest takeaway? Over this road trip, Nuggets going one and three, and and what do you think? What do you think that means for the rest of their season? So, here's the thing: so the road trip
0: happens, and they go to New York. Great start! You got to play the Knicks, easy win. Great, obviously Fisto got fired, moving on. But right before the road trip, what did Denver do? They went on like a five game win streak. They beat Boston at home. They beat the Rockets at home. They had a lot of good wins, and then. They had that slip-up against the Kings, and then the Lakers beat them by nine. And then they had to go play Boston. The Nets, who coming into the year, were a dark horse favorite in the East. They're clearly below—they're they're clearly a year away with Durant out. And then they got beat by Philly, who's 13-0 uh, at home, and this is their best ever start at home. That Philly team got Josh Richardson back, who shot extremely cold the entire game— but so did the Nuggets. And they lost Jamal Murray in the first quarter and they still had a chance to win. Like Denver was in that game to the end. They were in the Nets game till the end. It, the only game that they weren't close in was against Boston. And this Boston team is absolutely loaded with talent. And they're playing as they're playing how they were supposed to last year. They just couldn't get over the hump due to the Kyrie Irving passive aggressiveness when he was doing his right, best right, LeBron right. James impression. So Yeah, it's kind of nerve-wracking to see this team go out East and play against these top teams and struggle, but at the same time, that's kind of what's supposed to happen. When you go out East, play back-to-backs and all this stuff, you're not supposed to do well. You want your team to do well, but it's also not expected. The fact that they're in the games is the part that matters to me. And it also matters to me that Nikola Jokic played well on this road trip. He had... 24-11 against Brooklyn, against Boston. He was the only guy over 10. Are you kidding me? And then against – and then again against against Philly. He took a little while to wake up in that game. I will say that it took uh, Michael Malone swatting the papers out of his assistant's hands to get him to wake up, but he – once he woke up he was there he was playing yeah, well after that
1: i i give him a pass on that game in particular just because will barton started it off so well uh when you have a guy like that who is just hitting everything you're going to give him the ball you're going to give him an opportunity to carry you through a quarter and yeah I the nuggets were that. scoring pretty well and when you, when you you turn around you look around and because Nikola Jokic is sharing all of his minutes with those starters that his his shots are just going to naturally go down so I I give him a pass for that one and he also had 11 assists in that game so I think point well taken Jokic playing well in all four in all four of these games is really important Jenna you you've watched Nikola Jokic over these past four games does he look different than he looked over the course of the beginning of the season or or is this just same old Jokic different day
2: well, I mean, before I touch on that subject, I think it's so interesting. Gage, you're in Indiana, correct? Correct. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear um, that point of view from somebody because I feel like if you're in the West, like it's been known the West is stronger for so much longer time, for so much time now, for years now, the West has been the stronger side of the league. So I never think of teams going out east and it like should be hard like I always think of the east being pretty weak and you think of Boston being good because they've had pretty good talent over you know a large span kind of like and because of their track record and history or whatever but and you think of Philly like maybe in there in the last couple of years but you don't really think of the I never think of the east as a really so when I say like, that should the, be hard
0: road trip. when I say the east is a hard road trip I understand that the western conference is better that it's not close the Western Conference is better because it's deeper. The Eastern Conference is got a ton of has a ton of talent at the top of the conference. You have the Bucks, yeah, Heat, Celtics, 76ers, Raptors, Pacers are all good teams. Pacers aren't super loaded with talent, but they're extremely well coached and they play hard. They they're sixteen. No, and, nine, and what I was and Nuggets are fourteen and eight, so they're close
2: right what i was gonna say was this is the first year that because the west is less stacked like i feel like the west is far more dispersed as far as the talent goes it's not just in one city or one or two teams now it's so um spread out now that it doesn't feel that for the first time the east is kind of like oh like these teams can actually hang with us on any given night the heat look amazing this year what the heck when did when did that happen so Like, it it may be even something that, you know, players weren't considering. Like, oh, we go out east and it's usually a pretty easy road trip. This one wasn't for them, in my opinion. But I I agree with a lot of what you said. I just thought that was an interesting point of view. It's the first time I've thought of the east as being, like, fairly strong this year.
1: In the standings this year, the teams that the Nuggets faced on this east coast road trip were the Knicks, They're 15th in that conference not a tough team boston was third brooklyn was seventh but they're playing better with spencer dinwiddie at point guard instead of kyrie irving which is kind of surprising actually well right since his injury not necessarily but like but (laughs) maybe like there there is some stuff going on with kyrie irving that's for sure and then philly is 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 there ever not like Philly well, the earth philly, is flat so things are weird there <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah well it's flat in India. and when we say there we mean in Kyrie's mind <laughs> exactly <laughs> that is
1: the point of location uh but philly hasn't lost a game all year at home they're 13 and 0 boston's 10 and 0 at home right uh brooklyn they're seven and five but i i have to imagine that they're a little bit more improved since that point i think it wasn't surprising that the Nuggets lost those games. What really surprised and, frankly, irked me was the manner in which they lost, where no matter what they tried, no matter how many threes they were getting up or how much they were getting to the rim or whatever, they couldn't get the ball in the hole. Like, the the offense yeah. is just, they are struggling. And I'm going to include a couple of different numbers here. Uh, Over the last five games, the Nuggets are 26th in the NBA in points per game, averaging 102.8. Over the last three games, which includes the the top three teams on that road trip, they are tied for 27th, averaging 96.2 points per game you got to score like this is this is a situation right. that the nuggets continue to find themselves in where the defense isn't going to carry them through these games anymore they have to find ways to score or else they are not going to be the team that that anybody thought they would be this season
2: you know what i really thought i think it was good that they ended that road trip with philly because philly is playing like they have something to prove this season like they have they they i feel like that Philly feels like they've been gypped as far as like credit wise. They think like they were one of the better teams. They f- should have gone f- deeper in the playoffs last year. They, according to them, you know, that's, what I think, Philly fans. And f- yeah, and f- what Philly. The team, you know, those guys, Joel Embiid, they feel like they got jipped. They have something to prove. They shouldn't have been out that quick in last year's playoffs. And they want to prove that to the whole world. And I think that that was the mentality the Nuggets had last year was – Nobody is even paying attention to us. Nobody knows about this guy Nikola Jokic that we have. They're acting like they've never seen him play before or like that he's not as good as he really is. Let's come at everyone full force and let's play like with a point to prove. And what I've seen from these these Nuggets and even Nicola going back to what you asked me earlier Ryan about if he looks different I don't think so he looks like he's not really playing with any purpose or point to prove or anything to really I mean he's just the ball's dropping better for him you know remember that game the last home game I think it was against the Lakers when Will Barton said after the game you know he was Nicola's missing bunnies that he never misses he has an incredible touch something along those lines. Right. And that's true for Nicola. He has an incredible touch. His touch came back. But I still don't see when I look at the way that his mannerisms are on the court and the like effort that's really going into every single play. I think he is missing something. I think he's just tired. I think he just needs a, a break.
1: Yeah. A scheduled rest day. There's there's definitely something to be said for that. Uh but he has taken more shots over the course of this this road trip. He had 20 plus in each of the games against Boston and Brooklyn. Didn't take as many shots against Philly, but uh, for reasons we've already covered, I think that uh, that's understandable. Um, but I don't think it's really even Jokic that's the problem, or, or like not even close to being the problem offensively. I actually think he's been fairly good for what this team needs. I actually think the starting unit in general is pretty good for what this team needs. The only guy who kind of hasn't answered a lot of those questions is Gary Harris so far. Uh, the the Gary Harris floater has to stop, Gage. Like it's it's getting to a point where it's just a, a really brutal shot that is limiting his entire offensive scope.
0: Okay, first of all, I think I feel a little attacked that just because Gary's from Indiana, you came to me like I'm the Gage. like I'm the one I came justifying right it. at you. Like I get that he's from Indiana, but that I I don't justify the floater. I. I, th- I, you don't control no, it I games. agree you it don't needs to tell stop him when I, to shoot I it. think it's a bad shot I don't think a lot of players need to take it and I think way too many players in the NBA take it as it is but you know what to each their own I get. I don't get paid millions of dollars they do I think that he needs to stop. I think that he needs to focus more on just being a three and D wing. I think that three and D and slash, that's that's all he needs to do. I don't need the mid range jumper. I don't I, I don't need it. It's the most inefficient shot in basketball. Back up to the three point line and chuck or drive to the hole and throw it down. Do one of the even other
1: if you're if you're gonna take a mid range shot and he I thought he did this decently against Philly, pull up from for a jumper. Like he, he actually has pretty good pretty good touch on his jumper from from mid-range but the problem is, is that when he gets a step in closer and doesn't get on balance he just it just seems like he's all out of whack yeah but he until is,
0: he's the, the marcus aldridge i don't want him taking i don't want him taking mid-range jumpers either that's it's a, the worst shot in basketball it's the least efficient i unless he's making an extremely high percentage of them it doesn't what's the Houston math that it doesn't it doesn't make any sense for here's, anybody other than like James Harden and Chris Paul to take it. That's why they were the only ones allowed.
1: Here's what I will say about mid-range shots in general. I think that Denver takes too many of them and they should be scaling that back. However, the Nikola Jokic offense is going to lead itself to more mid-range jumpers and more mid-range attempts simply because of where he operates on the court if he's always doing a dribble handoff and he's not shooting the three ball well his man is going to drop into the paint the guard that's defending uh gary harris or jamal murray or any of those guys is going to go over the screen to prevent a three and once they do that the only space that's vacant is the mid-range but denver is is currently using the floater too much it's it's something that i wrote about at the beginning of the year and still very feel very strongly about gary harris is shooting 24 percent from 3 to 10 feet that's floater range that's floater distance he is better as a jump shooter in every zone beyond that from 10 to 16 feet from 16 to 3 he's shooting 55 percent. like that's like he's he's actually good at it it's not great. It's, it's not ideal. Like you're, you're trying to work for a layup or a a three point shot or somewhere that's a little bit more efficient, but if he has to take one, he's got to take a jumper, cut the floater out of the, out of the system. That's, that's my rant.
0: (laughs) That's fine. I I agree. I agree with you. I just, I just wanted to make it clear that I, I'm not here saying that he should be shooting the floaters just because I'm (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, no, no. When when I you was what I was I know you, were you to talk next. Up. I I I know
0: you were I know what you were doing, but it, it's, I just want you to know it's not a, it's not a good shot. It's a bad shot. I, <laughs> Poor I, execution.
1: I uh Jenna, what what do you think about Gary Harris taking more ball handling responsibilities now that Jamal Murray he's it's it, I think he's going to be hindered from his injury coming back?
2: Yeah. Uh, it sounds like uh, specifically, you know, even Jamal's back is sore, his abdomen is sore. It sounds like he, he you know, Jamal, he's not going to sit out very long, but he, he'll he play through the pain and everything, but he could be hindered in it. Um, I don't know if Gary Harris is the guy. I think it looks like Malone's going more with Monte and... I like Monte on the floor. I, I know some uh, some people at Stiff's and some people in general in the world don't like Monte on the floor, but I think he sees the floor a lot like Nikola does, and I think that is important to have another guy out there like that. Um, Gary Harris, to me, has just been – I don't know if I want him to be a 3 and D guy because I love his takes to the basket, but he the, he keeps going to that floater because he's – I don't know if it's like – in, scared of injury or what since last year? But he, when he goes to the basket hard, he's awesome. Well, like, I, he's Garrus. Like, are you saying going he's to the basket a full off, of like a,
0: off of like slashing, or is he like driving to the rim?
2: Driving to the rim on his oh. own. You know, when getting off, coming off of a, a screen or anything like that. When he does that but goes up strong and not into a floater. If he can get ahead
0: he, of steam going for him, that's that's great. I just think that far, far more often than not, we're not seeing that, and hence why he's going to that floater. And also, one quick thing about him being a ball handler, he, um, on like seven-plus dribble possessions, I, this is a random thing I just looked up, he's, his effective field goal percentage is 12.5%. Holy and yet, shit. Granted, yes, yeah, so that's yeah. like 3.7% of his possessions, of, or of his field goals have been with seven-plus dribbles. It's only happened in is six Is that games. this year specifically, Gage? This, is, this year specifically, yes.
2: Yeah, he's been really bad finishing at the rim. We knew that. We've been saying that, at, right, Ryan? We've been saying that, like, well, saying, like mo- mentioning he it.
1: started out pretty badly at the rim, and I think that there, there's... Definitely some tentativeness there, but it it was very surprising because a couple of seasons ago, he was one of the most efficient guards shooting right around the basket in the league up there with guys like Drew Holiday and Eric Bledsoe and even LeBron James, like guys, guys who are known for that. So having this fall from grace for him has been really jarring. I think it's kind of changed the calculus of... Of what Nuggets fans and even Nuggets management perceive this offense to be, I think people thought that the Jamal Murray pick and roll followed by the Gary Harris DHO would be kind of a, a nice one-two punch working with Nikola Jokic, and so far it's it's really just been a one-punch. It's It's been yeah. tough to see, so tell you what, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get into some more rotation questions, particularly with the bench. We've been dealing with a, a carousel of wings that has not stopped spinning. We'll be right back. Denver Stiff Show, Ryan Blackburn here. I'm joined by Jenna Garcia and Gage Bridgeford over Skype, having a good time. First segment, we talked about the road trip, so if you missed that, come right back to it. Uh, Next segment, talking about the rotation, particularly the bench. Uh, Michael Malone has played Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and bits of Michael Porter Jr., uh, in a rotation off of the bench, and I don't I don't remember the last time that one of those guys has stuck in the rotation for more than five to seven games at a time. It it to me that they they keep coming in and out of the lineup, and and I wonder if that's really impacting how that lineup is gelling together. Jenna, what what do you think about the rotation that's been going on on the bench, and how do you think michael malone has handled it so far
2: honestly i think he seems flustered about it he seems like he doesn't know who to go to like you said he i feel like he's kind of it's it, you can't ever anticipate what he's going to do he sometimes goes to jeremy grant sometimes he goes to mpj sometimes he goes you know it's just so right. random that it's hard to kind of figure out what he's doing lately. Um, I think, you know, in that Philly game, you saw so many different guys out there. You Even Tori got a couple minutes, you know? Right. Um, and I was thinking, like, Why is he throwing Tori out there randomly unless he's, like, straight giving up on this game or unless he, like, just trying to, like, anticipate why he's doing something has been so difficult in that second rotation, especially that third slot. It's like Will Barton is the only guy he really has any confidence in in that spot. And I think I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think there's pressure to play MPJ and he also doesn't like he Malone doesn't like to watch mistakes like everybody knows that <laughs> rage timeouts happen all the time for sure for Michael Malone and he doesn't so what putting MPJ out there and kind of letting him get into a groove I think is painful for him because he's like especially because it's been defense 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 which is part of why I think this offense is so lackluster because they're just like God we're so tired because all we do is play defense Um but I, th- I don't know what Malone's even thinking right now, as far as that third guy goes.
1: Um, God, we're so—it's hard to anticipate. God, <laughs> it's a good so line. Sorry.
2: Yes, I think I think that's what
1: they. <laughs> but uh, they feel. I, I, yeah, there is something to be said for that. Uh, Gauge the like. Actually, I, w- I want your minutes on. I, I want your. I want your input on the four players that we mentioned above: Malik Beasley, Wancho, Tory Craig, Michael Porter Jr. Are, do you, Have any of those guys really stood out to you as guys that need to be in the rotation every single night?
0: So the only one that I think – actually, no. I, I don't know that any of them need to be in the rotation every single night. Each of them has a, a really major flaw that makes it really yeah. hard to play them. Like for Tori, it's – his shooting hasn't been what it was last year in the playoffs. For MPJ – and MPJ the other night – I want to give him some credit with his shooting. He was so close on so many shots. Like, his stat line did not reflect appropriately how good he played in that game. But, and, and he, like, he was really close. And that game would have been a lot different if a couple bounces went his way. But they didn't. And there's, just, sure. there's just guys that they each have their, their flaws that make them hard for them to play. Like, I think Malik needs to be in there because I think that his offense— If he can just get it going again, I don't know if it's a consistency issue or what the problem is with him, but if he can just get his offense going again, I think that he will be a major piece for that bench. I think a a major issue for Malone is last year pulling all the right strings was so easy for him. And And being a coach is not an easy thing, but the bench was so good last year. And basically every bench lineup he was trotting out there. Whether it who no matter who it featured as the main piece, it was working, and this year it's the opposite. And I th- and I think it's almost he's got a toolbox that's got a lot of tools in it, and he knows which ones he's got to use. He's got to use his hammer and all that stuff. That's his starters, but everything else in it, he's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with all of these different things? Like uh, he, like MPJ, get him in the game because everyone wants him, and then oh he struggles on defense and his shot isn't falling so I got to pull him. And then Malik wants to go out there. Malik wants to get up his shots, which Malik uh the on the show for Thanksgiving, I kind of mentioned this about MPJ where he's not sure when his shots are going to come and I think that's why he was rushing them. I think Malik's doing a similar thing. Like he had some shots the other night where he just he got it up just because he had the ball in his hand. He, it wasn't necessarily the best shot that he or the entire team was going to generate on that possession, but he's like, "Well, I got to get my shot up." And I think Part of that is he knows a payday's and like he's in a contract here. He's got to try and make his money, so he's trying to do what he can for himself for right now. I'm not saying Beasley's a selfish player at all. I'm just saying I think that he's got a scorer's mentality and coming off the bench with and it's very sporadic, like minutes wise. He so he's got to try and get his shots when he can. So I think that this bench unit, yeah. the only one, if I had to pick one of those four that I'm like, okay, I got to play this guy every night and he's going to get consistent minutes, it's going to be Beasley for me. I think he's the most, I think he's the most consistent right now in terms of I know roughly what I'm going to get from him. Um, MPJ might be the most talented of that bunch, but he's also too raw and not quite ready for a team that has, let's be honest, championship aspirations this season.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Gage, yeah. I mean, Beasley's the one guy, if offense has been the one thing that they're struggling on, Beasley's the one guy that seems to be able to generate his offense, and I really feel like he's really confident in his shot. And I don't know if that's just, like, swag that he puts out there, but I I always think it's going in, too. <laughs> so Beasley's been the only one that's really, like, worthwhile to go out there and worth the... You have enough good defenders to make up for his lack of defense, so...
1: Did you guys know that Mason Plumlee is 14.7% on shots outside of three feet? Are you surprised? No, because I, I didn't
2: know that number, but I would have guessed it was yeah, lower. I, I looked I it up yesterday I. during I don't the game.
1: Think it's uh, well, it is. I, I actually <laughs> just, just looked ch- it up. He's checking you. But it's, uh... I think. But the, th- that can't one, be right. The one problem <laughs> that we have. <laughs> the one problem that, that we haven't really <laughs> talked about is the fact that Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee have played every single game as the primary bench duo off the bench. Like They've played the yep. most minutes. They've played a lot of minutes together. Anytime Nikola Jokic comes off the floor, Mason Plumlee's on. Um, yeah. Neither of those guys have spaced the floor particularly well. Jeremy Grant, he does shoot it, but there are... There's a difference between shooting and and really spacing. And I think teams are not really respecting the jumper that he's putting out there. Uh, he is shooting 36%, and I'm glad that he is. That number's kind of back where, where I believe he was in Oklahoma City. But that duo between Grant and Plumlee, like whenever they're out there on the floor, the Nuggets have a 98 offensive rating. That is atrocious. Mm -hmm. That is about as Mm -hmm. bad as you can get and still be like NBA level. It is getting to the point right now where the Nuggets probably need to look at a rotation change that doesn't necessarily take either of those guys out of the lineup, but at least staggers them to the point that maybe maybe Paul Millsap's playing a little bit more with Mason Plumlee, spacing the floor for him, and maybe Jeremy Grant's playing a little with... Maybe Jeremy Grant's playing a little with Nikola Jokic, and they are they're running a little bit more. They're they're getting up and down using Grant as a uh, as a dunker as opposed to a, a floor spacer.
0: You mean playing with that space cool. and putting your great passing big man is a good idea? It's like that's what they did last year.
1: I can't okay, believe it. Okay, but
2: the three of us understand why playing with space is important, but. Do our listeners understand? Do do people who just watch basketball understand that spacing the floor is important, and especially for a guy like Nikola Jokic? Do you want to explain that to them a little bit, Ryan? Like, why? um, What it offers to the offense?
1: So, this year, Will Barton and Paul Millsap have been excellent, and people realize that people understand that. The primary reason why they've been excellent for this Nuggets team is because of their three-point shooting. Uh Will Barton is shooting 40% from three. Paul Mills have shooting 46% from three. Those are the two like basically the highest numbers outside of Malik Beasley who's shooting shooting 40.7% on the team. And those guys have been really good in spacing the floor and creating creating looks for Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. It allows them to run their own sets. It allows Jamal Murray to uh, navigate the pick and roll a little bit better. It allows Jokic to post up a little bit better. When those guys have space to operate, it makes them better players. The problem that the bench runs into is that while Mason Plumlee is a really, really good passer for the position... He isn't a great post player and he doesn't have a jump shot. If he had either of those two things where to the point where the opposing team had to really collapse on him or they had to really like like guard him at the perimeter, then it would help the entire rest of the bench. Uh, Monte Morris would be even better. Jeremy Grant would be even better. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. would look a lot better, I feel, if he wasn't playing next to Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley the entire time. That's been an issue for him. And he's only spent like 19 minutes on the floor with Nikola Jokic this year. There's a reason why he doesn't look as good as Will Barton. He doesn't get the same kind of looks that Will Barton gets, but he also doesn't have the space to operate that Will Barton does. And if he had that space, we don't necessarily know what he would do with it. We don't, and he'd probably be shooting a lower percentage than we would hope. But the fact is, Porter, like he he just hasn't had a lot of shooting opportunities so far, so we can't really grade him one way or the other. It's inconclusive. Um, I would like to see him be that 10th guy. I think we touched on it that Monte Morris and Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee, I think they all need to be in the rotation. They're good players. Benching any of them would be a problem benching Wancho Hernan Gomez is not an issue except for yeah. maybe Nikola Jokic if, if he's sad about that um,
2: but Wancho was benched all last year and Nikola wasn't sad about it they're still best friends they can still hang out
1: yeah there's there's something to be said for like I, like if, if he's in there every now and then or if he's in there for uh, if he's in there for an injury for to somebody then he could space the floor really well and he could be that guy but I I just think that the Nuggets, they're not going to be better as a bench unit unless they start staggering the minutes of Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee and changing things up because they've been doing the same thing for 22 games and it is not working.
2: Right, and I think Malone just needs to accept, like, yes, we have a lot of depth. And, when like, last year he used that depth because there were injuries that came so early in the season. But this year there haven't been injuries, so he's just had all these guys. And it feels like Little League out there. Like, I want to make sure everyone's happy, so I'm going to play everyone a couple minutes, you know? But really, like, that only hurts the team's overall goal. So it's like – and Malone's a nice guy. You know, he tries to get different guys in, and he never tries, you know, to – Tell a guy, oh, you're gonna be a bench, you know, you're gonna be riding the bench for a while, but he'll say, like, we're gonna be using you in specific defensive situations, specific offensive situations. But at the same time, it's like, this is the NBA. We're here to win a championship. At least that's why those guys are showing up every day, right? So sometimes that hurts. Like you make the team good and and you can fill in your role when you're needed, but you also part of that role might be riding the bench and like that sucks. Personally, I rode the bench e- years in my career too and it sucked. But it's still like what's the better what's better for this, this team at this point? He needs to stop, you know, worrying about playing everybody and just play who's working.
1: Gage, what do you think about Porter? Does he need to play every night or not? Or actually no, we we kind of talked about that. We touched about that already. I think he does. I think I think we're getting to the point where Things haven't worked regardless, so you might as well play the rookie and hope that he gets better. Uh, however, that that could change and things could change if they make a trade. And uh, you know, let's 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 jump to that in the next segment. We're going to talk about trades, uh, trade season. Denver's in a good position, but they could be better, and there are things that they can improve upon. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. Denver Stiff show I'm joined by Jenna and Gage trade season is upon us December 15th is right around the corner that is the time when free agents last off season that signed deals in July that's when they become available and eligible for trades every year and it's it's a recurring thing that the NBA has done as as their CBA has noted but the difference between past years and this year's of the NBA is available for a trade now. Uh, 40% of the NBA signed contracts in the offseason. There was an unprecedented amount of turnover. And because of that, there hasn't been an actual NBA trade in five and a half months. Ever since, I think, uh, like they they talked about it on on an ESPN podcast a while ago. It was uh, July 15th or July 16th or something like that. Who was it? Oh, yeah. I, I, don't rem- I don't remember who it was. I'd have to go back through the transaction logs. But either way, that's a long time. That's a long time for the NBA to kind of be idle. And I believe that after December 15th rolls around, we've got some really bad teams. We've got some teams that are going to want to offload some guys, uh, go young, or, or maybe even some teams that, like Denver, they want to make an upgrade. Uh, there's going to be a lot of movement, I think. So... I want to ask. We'll, we'll, we'll ask Jenna first. What is Denver's biggest need right now? What do What do they like? What do they lack that they need to win an NBA championship?
2: Well, I mean, that's the real question, right there. Is are we planning and, and is this team? Are we thinking of this team as? right win right now or are we thinking of this team as win in the future because i think that has a lot to do with like what you were talking about with michael porter jr is he does he need to be on the floor every night that has a lot to do with if if this team is looking to win this year or win in the future years i think um the same goes with trades uh if we're looking to win right now i think the nuggets really need an offensive wing Um, I think you have great defenders, which is crazy because at the beginning of the season, you know, people were like, oh, if Torrey can just be a 3 and D guy like he did in the playoffs, he'll be perfect for that 3 position. And you have Gary. You have Gary who is locking up everybody. Jamal's defense has improved. I would say Jokic's defense, when he's not slumping, like when he's not pouting, has improved. Um, And... I I feel like you have a lot of defenders out there. Paul Millsap, obviously. How could I forget him? (laughs) But you have the defense. You need the offense. You need somebody who you can go to that you know is going to um, knock down shots that can create uh, offense for these guys. Um, Either that or they need to just – or Nicola needs to just take it to the next level and take over. Uh, Or Jamal. But I think it's gonna be Nicola. Gage, what about you?
1: What do you what do you think is their their biggest need? Because I think Jen is right. I think that the the distinction has to be are they competing now or are they competing later? I think this team would say they're competing now, so it's not necessary that they have to have Michael Porter Jr. on the floor in the playoffs. So they could be adding pieces to that bench and not really feel bad about it. Uh, what do you think is their biggest need right now to get over the hump and join that championship conversation again?
0: Um, if they're adding something, it it better be somebody that can knock down shots. Like like Jenna said, it needs to be an offensive wing. But I think just flat out, it needs to be a shooter of some kind. This offense, when they're not hitting shots, they it is ugly. Like I, the other night when they uh, against Philly, like they were getting looks against Philly's a good defense. I'm pretty sure they're top 5 last I looked. They might have slipped out, but Oh yeah, they're, they're good. They're a good defense and they were but they were getting open shots and they just weren't going down. This it, I don't know what needs to happen, but th- these lineups like there there was a particularly ugly possession that somehow Philly didn't score an easy transition bucket off of that had it was like it was the Wancho – MPJ, Plumlee, Morris, uh, I think Beasley was the fifth one who Beasley's your probably your best offensive guy there, but it was just such an ugly lineup. There's no shooting off the bench. Like the starters can get by with the way Barton's shooting. Millsap's obviously at like 49, 50%. Jamal Murray, when he's hot, is absolutely net scorching, unconscious. So there's plenty of shooting for the starters, but they need some shooting on the bench. There's just – when the bench comes into the game, and I – honestly, that's one adjustment I think that Malone can make is he rides his starters until the end of the first quarter a lot. And I think that he would be – Because he feels like he has to. I I get that he feels like he has to, but I feel like that's something – that other because I feel like that ends up wearing them down, or the deficit at the beginning right. of the second gets too big because that bench comes in and just can't do anything. I you think know, you needs to work better on staggering the like the bench guys. I know um, you Ryan on Twitter yesterday said that playing Nicola with the bench guys would make a lot of sense, and I agree that it would get these ben- get the your star players like some time like Barton seems to be the only starter that gets a significant amount of minutes with the bench, which I mean, good for him, but I just feel like it makes no sense why none of the other guys are getting those opportunities, and I think Nicola would make a lot of sense in those minutes.
1: And it's because with regard to Barton, it's because they don't trust the backup small forward. There there are a lot of There's a lot of discussion about who that guy should be, whether it's Wancho, whether it's MPJ, whether it's Tory Craig, whether they just go small and play like Malik Beasley or somebody. But the fact is Malone doesn't trust any of those guys with like with longer than five minute stints most of the time. And that kind of manifests itself into Will Barton coming back into the game way earlier than he should. Um, Which makes sense. But then, I mean, if –
0: me a second the the bench lineups that we have now aren't working like they're, they're yeah. I, like i don't have the net ratings pulled up in front of me but i know they aren't pretty they're not good no one on the bench is playing at a level that would make you think you know what we're fine with the rotations as they are something it it's broken i'm a big fan of the whole if it ain't broke don't fix it something's broken and it needs it needs fixed shooting is a thing but also the rotations need adjusted somehow there's like mm-hmm. lineups and combinations that were working last year are not working at all. Part of it is just shots aren't falling, but I th- also think that guys aren't getting time to gel. Like I went through the lineups like, uh, on NBA.com the other day, like the five band sure. lineups and, and, Denver has the starters have a bunch of minutes together and then after that it's just a bunch of random combinations just exactly like he's just throwing stuff at the wall and just trying to see what sticks and it's like let's let's find a couple things that work and let's just work with those for a little bit let's get the team back in a groove and I, uh, I think it was I know it was me and I know I wrote about it and talked about it that then this right now this is the time to experiment against lower end teams but their schedule is going to start getting a lot more difficult. They played some cookie-cutter teams to start the year, and they had a lot of games at home. They need to start winning these games because this Western Conference has got some heavy hitters up top. The Lakers are Lakers just ran over the Magic 10. It, it was closer than it seemed, but they were playing good, and their, their defense is good with the amount of non-shooters that they have.
1: January and March are going to be really tough for this team. Like you said, I, I was really – hoping that they would take the time in November and December to especially December, because I understand getting off to a strong start in November and trusting your guys, but in December, they gotta start figuring this out. This is this is the time to do it, like you said. So let's get back on track here Can with Can you the-
2: imagine? Go ahead. Can you imagine Lou Williams on this bench
1: roster? Well, there is a guy that I that I kind of re- am reminded by in terms of Lou Williams, who I have on this list of guys. Uh, but the three, the three biggest hear. needs that I pointed out that I wrote before you guys said anything, before we even started this podcast— spacing on the second unit and I didn't unit. read it it's all yeah it's all good uh, spacing on the second unit whether that manifests itself in a better wing whether it's a better forward shooter or whether it's an actual shooter at center like whatever they do it has to include a shooter that that comes in and and helps space the floor a little bit it could even be kevin love like i i was not as like happy with that idea initially but if they can keep paul Millsap, then there there is something to be said for bringing in kevin love as a sixth man um but he's not on my list uh the next thing is size it forward to battle the top forwards in the nba if you consider yourself a championship contender then you need somebody to match up with with lebron james kawhi leonard paul george like you cannot do it if if you don't have those guys bar none, full stop. Um, Finally, clarity at the wing and forward pieces. That just like, whatever this carousel is that's going on, they need to figure it out. Like one way or the other, it doesn't necessarily even matter who they go with. Like, as long as that guy's giving them great minutes, like it, it, it's fine. Just figure out a guy that works, figure out a rotation that works and then stick to it and don't, and don't mess with the guy's heads. Because I think as Porter said yesterday to, to, uh, former Denver Stiffs Brendan Vote, um, he he doesn't know what he's going to do on every single night. He doesn't know what the minutes are going to look like, and and there, none of that's shared with him. It could be just because he's a rookie, but I also think that Malone doesn't necessarily know or doesn't necessarily know that far in advance what he's what's going to happen. So, gotta find something consistent. Um, before I kick off my list, are there any guys? Uh, outside of a Lou Williams, who I don't, like, if if the Clippers are serious about contending, then they're not going to shop him. But outside of, that. like, him, any guys stand out that, that you guys could bring up? Uh, Jenna, I'll start with you.
2: Oh, I was hoping you weren't going okay, to start with me I
1: really start to Let's think go. about it for let Let's a second. go, Gage.
0: Okay, um, my top target would be um, a guy named by the name of Duncan Robinson. Uh, From the Miami Heat that Jenna mentioned earlier, the Heat are playing outstanding this year. They are getting contributions from their entire roster, and they're extremely deep. And Duncan Robinson's been a major part of that. Anybody want to guess what uh, Duncan Robinson's shooting on three-point attempts this year? And he's shooting seven per game. Keep that in mind. I'm
1: guessing it's 45%. I was going to say 44.
0: Uh, you are both very close, but Ryan gets the win here. 44.9% on Holy cow. seven attempts per game. This dude is scorching the Nets. He is white hot, and not even a pun with the fact that they do whole white hot jersey <laughs> thing. <Yeah>. But Duncan <laughs> Robinson is 25, so he's right in the age range with uh, where Denver's going. His contract's not overly expensive. He's only making he's making less than $1.5 million this season. He's still got two years left on his deal. And the Miami Heat are loaded on the wing. They have Jimmy Butler. They have Justice Winslow. They have Tyler Harrow, who's not getting nearly enough minutes. They have Derrick Jones Jr., also not getting enough minutes. Casey Oak Paul is a rookie. And then you also have James Johnson who's not even playing and he like
1: Kendrick Nunn too.
0: Kendrick yep, Kendrick Nunn. All these guys there's only so many minutes to go around. And Duncan Robinson, like he needs to play, and guess what? Denver needs shooters and they need shooters on the wing. And I I think it's a perfect fit for both teams.
1: I think that uh, man, I don't know. I don't. I guess I just don't know why Miami would give him up. Like, like what are they going to gain from Denver uh, to to actually realistically give up a guy like Duncan Robinson, who I think is on a minimum contract? Like you talked about that that low salary number. Like why why would they want to trade that guy if they're contending?
0: I uh, they could maybe talk to talk about Mr. Monte Morris, um, who's got three years left on his deal because behind they have Goran Dragic mm. who's on who's. I think in the final year of his deal, or he may have one year left after this. And then if you look at the remainder of their roster, they don't have anybody that's a true point guard. They have Goran Dragic, who's over 30, injury prone, and he's he's not getting any younger, versus you can get Monte Morris, who's got multiple years left on his deal. And he's also not exactly super expensive. And this Heat roster is going to get expensive in a hurry. I don't think I don't know that you could necessarily do this deal one for one, but I think that those that want those two as your starting point could be real simple because let's see, the Heat are gonna have to pay a couple guys here soon. Like they got lucky that Justice Winslow is on such a cheap deal. But they have guys that are gonna be expensive and it's not gonna be easy to keep all of them. So getting Monte Morris who's on who's got team control and he's really cheap makes a lot of sense.
1: So who does Denver use as their backup point guard?
0: I think that you could make you could make a case for Beasley being your backup point guard cuz he likes to have the ball in his hands as is. I don't think that you need to necessarily have a straight up point guard as like I think that there's enough ball handlers on the bench unit that you don't necessarily need to have a specific guy who he's a point guard that's what his whole thing is. Or you could go search the buy or search the market for a really cheap guy. You could search the market for a buyout guy uh, come January or come February.
1: Yeah, there's something to be said for adding a guy like a, a Duncan Robinson who's high volume for a guy like Monte Morris who's low volume, especially if they're going to use uh, Mason Plumley as kind of that that post up guy and just have him kick out to people. Um, I I would push back on it a little bit though. I think that Morris just having a guy that that can steady the ship behind Jamal Murray is is very important and he's not the guy that I would move in this case um and not to mention he's got a great deal too like like the nuggets aren't going to want to want to give that up while their their roster gets super expensive either and that's fair
0: i was just you asked, and I hadn't thought of an answer, and I looked up and down the two rosters, and I thought he made a lot of sense for the Heat because you said it didn't make any sense, and I said this is why it makes sense.
1: Hey, fair enough. Fair enough. I hear you. Um, so how about this? Why don't I give you guys five names, and and you tell me yay or nay, um, and and we'll just go from there unless, Jenna, you have somebody that you've picked out of during the time that Gage and I have debated. <laughs>
2: Um, I mean, give me the five names. Let's see what you got, because so I have not. a few ideas, too. I'll go. I have. <laughs> <laughs>
1: let's go Let's go one by one. Uh, I'll start with the guy that I think is least likely Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, off of the Kings.
0: Jenna.
2: What do you want us you to say? Uh, if he's like, likely to be oh, no, no, traded no. or like, if you, we like, want him? Would
1: he be a good fit for Denver? in the current capacity and if they could they like could they trade for that guy like is is he a good yeah, fit. I think,
2: I think Bog Dog would be a good fit. I think uh I think Nicola would like it. Um Definitely. obviously like another Euro player, you know you have the chance. You kind of play a different way. There's a different style over there. So I would I think it'd bring Nicola happiness and anything that brings Nicola happiness helps the team. Um but yeah that's a guy I mean he wasn't on my top list, but um, maybe, like, I, I guess I was thinking more of, like, a killer, like a, a guy who knocks down shots even more consistently. But, yeah, as, like, a second bench
1: unit guy, yeah. Well, you know, the, the guy that is next on the list that I thought of is Davis Bertans, um, who is a certified killer um, <laughs> in terms of three-point shooting.
0: Um. I th- I mean, in terms of going back to Bogdan, uh, I I like the idea of adding him, but I also don't necessarily know how he would fit you know, on this team. I think that he plays a really similar role to my, uh, Malik Beasley in that they both like to have the ball in their hands and be, and that's he can do that in Sacramento because there's not really a point guard that's going to take the ball out of his hands because the Aaron Fox is obviously off the floor. But that's I, just, I, uh, But
2: couldn't he do that in the second unit? Is, I mean, I guess Monte's in there, but I mean, I'm guessing Malik's not in that second. Malik's probably getting traded. Yeah,
1: let's just assume that Malik Beasley is in all of these deals because I think that that's the, the likely guy that Denver would move.
0: I mean, that would make sense, but I also think I think Monte likes having the ball in his hands, and I also think, more importantly, that Michael Malone likes having the ball in Monte Morris's hands, mm-hmm. hence why he has the ball in his hands all the time when he's on the floor.
2: I, number two, assist-to-turnover ratio in the entire league. Hello. What's his
0: assist-to-turnover ratio this year?
1: I'll, I don't even know. It, but last, I think he's second. last number.
0: I checked, it was 5.1. Oh, geez. Not even, not even what what was he last year? Like 5.9, 5.6? Yeah,
1: 5.7. Like, like he's he's really slacking on that. So he's regressed,
0: is what you're saying? (laughs) No. So Uh. I, but I, so I like the idea of Bogdanovich, but I also just, I think that his whole thing is he likes having the ball in his hands. And I think that he's able to thrive in that role in Sacramento. And unless Malone is willing to kind of let go a little bit, which. As we've seen in the entire time he's been with Denver, that's not really what he wants to do. He has a system that he runs with his with his bench units, with Monte as the lead guy, and it worked last year. It's not working this year, but I think that's just because shots aren't falling. If the shots were falling and the offense and the offense was thriving, no one would be saying a word. It's not. And I think Malik is better than Bogdan. I also think he has a way higher Ooh. ceiling.
1: Ooh, oh, 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 oh man! You're gonna you're gonna piss off the Serbian viewers on that one.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? Again, add G. Richford NFL, if you got to say something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, what about JJ Redick?
2: Wait, wait, we didn't even talk about
0: you. Bird. Forgot about oh, the uh, Latvia laser dance. who
1: has the be- <laughs> I
0: guarantee the best nickname on this whole list that you got.
1: That is insane. I didn't know that his nickname was the Latvian laser. On like, basketball reference, that's pretty awesome. it is
0: the Latvian laser, and I am here for it.
1: Okay, let's talk about him. Let's talk about Davis Bertans. He's averaging about 16 points per game, uh nearly 5 rebounds per game. He hasn't started a single game, but he's getting up 8.6 nope, point one. attempts. Oh, he okay, started, he started one. Started one. one. But he, he's getting up 8.6 three-point attempts per game and making four of them. Jesus Christ, that is that is insane. 46.5% from three. That guy would fit really well with this bench unit. And he might even fit well with the starters when they uh when they need some extra spacing.
2: I mean he's an efficient field goal shooter. I mean, you can't go wrong with him. I think he does exactly what Malone wants Wancho to be, which is just stand there when you get the ball, hit a three. That's it. That's all I want you to do. <laughs> That's what Bertons could bring
1: to this team. Yeah, and, and even Bertons, he's 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 being a little bit more aggressive with the ball this year. Like they're they're expanding his role just a little bit more. Not not a ton, but he's at least like dribbling, which is which is great. sixty seven point four percent true shooting. Holy hell. Like if if you're talking about guys that would boost the offense, he's probably number one on the list. Mm-hmm and he's probably number 1 on the list for a lot of teams too. So they may they may not he's be able to get him. He's got the
2: size too. Yeah, he's
1: like something
2: that the L- Nuggets really were lacking in that LA game. Like you could tell. It looked like what was that? Movie Little Giants?
0: What? The, football Who was the one? Bad
2: Guys? Yeah.
0: The, you're talking about the one where it was like pee wee football? Yes. Dated reference, but I respect and they're, it.
2: And but there was there was that one really bad the bad guys or whatever and they were like huge yeah, were compared to the little giants, compared to all the runs. right?
1: I have and never
2: it felt like, seen this like movie. that in that LA game. Okay, Ryan, oh you God, have, I, I was going to say you have to get out more, <laughs> but no, you need that to that stay
0: movie. in more. Go, uh, go to your local, <laughs> go to your local Red Box, find little local giants
1: blockbuster.
2: It's probably I, on Disney Plus. Honestly,
1: Ooh, we'll, we'll we'll take a look at Disney Plus. I've been watching The Mandalorian. That's been pretty good. Uh, <laughs> we'll definitely we'll definitely go with that.
2: Um, but Burton's would bring size to that second unit, and it, he would bring size just overall, like, a, as far as a wing goes. That was one thing I thought, like, looking at Will Barton next to AD, you're like, okay, we're a little
1: undersized. Yeah, he'd probably play over Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I was a we little okay, I, Yeah, we okay with that?
2: Then the whole thing, the whole trade is ruined. We can't have it now. <laughs>
0: I was going to say no, that I wasn't just super kidding. on board with Bogdanovich. I am on board with Bertans. I like the fit, and I also think mm-hmm. that he could um, play some small ball five. Granted, that won't happen because Ooh. Malone does. Yeah, three. no way. <laughs> New base and Plumley minutes are a guarantee, just like death and taxes, as I said yesterday in the stiff slack. And
1: Andy's right,
0: <laughs> but I like and oh, and they could go super big too. They could do Plumley. And then Bertans, and then Jeremy Grant at the three.
2: Jeremy Grant.
0: Oh Mm -hmm. man, that sounds
1: fun. Yeah, it'd be good. That's that's a it's a good lineup. When you when you have somebody who shoots forty six, forty seven percent, it makes it a lot easier to mix and match lineups. Um, All right, next guy, JJ Redick.
2: That's my NBA player comp. Hello. Oh, really?
1: You're (laughs) a shooter, sniper. Yes. That's right. There you go. I'm a
2: sniper. <laughs> Corner 3's all day. Let's go.
1: Uh JJ Redick has never not been to the playoffs and he's currently on a New Orleans Pelicans <laughs> roster that is 6 and 18 and they they're, they're going to be looking to trade people real soon. He's probably at the top of the list because he's a veteran that could help them, that could help a lot of different teams and they're going to probably get a a prospect and a low pick or a decent maybe even a low first rounder for him um, he's a guy who I think fits I think that he's he's very solid and while Malik Beasley is a, a good three point shooter JJ Redick if I look up the numbers right now is shooting 45% from three and he's Damn. averaging 15 points per game and it's it's just a different level of shooting because he takes seven of them per game so we're talking about an upgrade here. Um, is that a guy that Denver should be going after?
2: I think it's an upgrade for sure. I would, I'd like to see him shoot more threes in his time, in his minutes, but I guess he's only uh, averaging like 28 minutes right now per game. That's pretty good. He could shoot more 3s see. What's he
0: shooting? I like Berton's better. He's averaging 9.2 per 36, which is – the same amount that he was averaging last year with Philly and it's also tied for the most. So in his minutes he's getting shots up. Like that's more than he's ever averaged in his in any other season in his career at Agreed. 9.2 per oh, 36. Nice. So like when he's t- when he's on the floor he's chucking shots. Like there's no doubt about that.
1: Um I I think that that's a that's a pretty good fit when you're talking about a guy who could carry the bench unit for stretches he doesn't always have to have the ball in his hands but and Mason Plumley can continue playing the dribble handoff game and JJ Redick is coming around DHOs and off screens and things like that but he would he would fundamentally change Denver spacing and that to me makes a lot of sense um the only thing that kind of scares
0: me off about Redick is the fact that he's on a 2-year deal, it's $13 million both years fully guaranteed. And I know people are like, "Oh, 13, that's not that much." But it's it's kind of a lot for a guy that's is 35, he'll be 36 before next season starts.
1: And there's there's some viability in the playoffs questions with him, but this is more of a this is more of a, a spark smaller. plug and in terms also, of the regular season.
0: He's only played 82 games once in his entire career and that was back in 2009-10 since then like he played 76 last year he played 78 and 1617 17
1: and he's so, been pretty healthy i think i i wouldn't i wouldn't target I wouldn't him wouldn't for, for his, health over, him for his health, health over the last five six. well i was, well, I was more going so. with the fact well, that the guys guy 35, 35, 35, 35 going on 36, going on 36
0: is years old more where i think that injuries could happen like Kyle Korver was a relatively healthy dude for much of his career but he's been dealing with nagging injuries over the last few seasons, which makes sense because when you're older, you're just more likely to be injured. That's just simple science.
1: It's true. It's, it's a danger. It's, it's a, it's a risk reward in terms of what Denver would be acquiring there. But, but there is some, there is some precedent for acquiring a shooter like him and, and it, it working a little bit. So let's move on. I've got two more names here. First is Andre Iguodala. Um, that is a polarizing name for nuggets fans um, he is also 35 he's an old cat and he's also a guy who made most of his money off of his athleticism and his uh, and his ability to mirror other people defensively and be strong and physical and whatnot but he's changed his game a little bit to be more perimeter oriented less 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 physical more finesse. Uh, Jenna would you would you welcome Andre Godala coming back to Denver
2: hey I don't I'm not one of the people who hates Iggy I still love Iggy he was here during a time when I was uh, really discovering what being a nuggets fan was and so he will always be remembered fondly just like I mean I like them all J- jr I like the whole thuggets back then team so <laughs> you do I <laughs> I do you're, I love the AI. Girl. Ride or die for AI everybody. <laughs>
1: uh I I don't know how much but, he's going to help how, how much he's going to help them in the regular season, but if you talk about a guy who could match up with LeBron or Kawhi Leonard or guys of that caliber, he's probably the best chance Denver would have.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say like I think as far like his playoff experience alone brings a lot to the table um, that you could say you know these, this Denver team doesn't really have so he does have his like perks um, but I, yeah I don't think that he fixes any of like the rotation issues uh, that are currently happening. He does help if they are you know in game seven against Portland again.
1: right that would be that would be the, the prime time to debut him for sure uh Gage what about you uh, does does Andrea Godalla like sitting out the first part of the season concern you at all or is is it just a guy that you can you can bring back immediately and he'll give you what he needs to give you
0: I think that he is sitting out because he's in Memphis where they don't need him to play because they're committed to rebuilding and it only took them three years longer than it should have <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, I think that he could come in And he could play a little bit But I also think that So I mentioned J.J. Redick Dealing with injuries a little bit And being a little bit on the older side Andre Godal is, like, like Jenna said He's based a lot of his or It was either Jenna or you But has based a lot of it on athleticism And his athleticism has waned He's been dealing with injuries A lot in the past few seasons Like in every and every year during the playoffs even with Golden State and being able to manage him because they had better depth than just about any team in the NBA, he was still dealing with injuries and it was a lot of soft tissue stuff. It's not like he was dealing with like a broken bone or something like that. he was dealing with back spasms he was dealing with um, some knee soreness he was he was dealing with a lot of soft tissue stuff that just it happens when these guys who get they get older and it gets harder for them to do, think normal things just because that's that's just what happens their body's broken down a lot because they've taken so much wear and tear and the dude has played so much like think about how he so he's been with golden state since 2013 2014 and outside of that 2013-14 season where he only played seven playoff games he's played 21 24 averaging over 30 minutes per game and three out of five season post seasons He started 12 playoff games two years ago and 15 last year. He's playing a ton. He wears down as the season goes on. And we've already talked about the major issue with Denver is that they can't shoot, and he's never been a reliable shooter. And he's not, and they also are having issues with stability at the backup three spot. And I don't necessarily know that he's going to be able to bring that to you on a nightly basis. So I like the idea of him returning, but I also think that the opportunity, like, the idea doesn't like work very well because he doesn't bring you what you need. You need a consistent guy for the regular season. You're not going to get that. He might give you that on the nights that he plays, but I also think he becomes Kawhi Leonard load management and plays one, like every other night for four months. And it doesn't really solve the issue.
1: Last guy. And, and, and to be, to be clear, I do agree with you in terms of the regular season he may like Andre Gudala, may be the smartest defender in the NBA. So I don't know if it's necessarily going to impact his defense a ton, but it may impact him against a guy like LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or somebody like that that's extremely physical, that's, that's going to muscle him and, and back him down and do all of the things over a course of a playoff series that could tire him out greatly. Um, last guy. Robert Covington is currently floundering at power forward in Minnesota. Uh, they are in a really tough position because they're playing a lot of wings right now, and they may they're they're kind of the new Boston where they have too many wings. They're starting Andrew Wiggins, Jarrett Culver, uh, Robert Covington, and one other guy, uh, Josh Akogi. Um That's a lot. And that—that's the—he has been pushed to power forward, but he's a small forward in my opinion. He's a guy who, at six foot eight, matches up with the opposing team's best player, and guards them throughout. He to me is the saving grace for this starting lineup, where if they had to give up a Gary Harris or a Will Barton to get back a guy, who defends a little bit more in the playoffs and in a playoff setting and can can consistently match up with the top wings in the NBA. He's a guy who I think could really change things for Denver. And if they didn't have to give up one of those two guys, if they instead had to give up Mason Plumlee, Malik Beasley, and a first-round pick, that's a, that's a pretty decent deal too. Uh, what do you guys think of Robert Covington? Do you think that Denver can and should try to acquire him? And does he fit?
2: Interesting guy. Um, I wasn't anticipating you saying his name for sure. He was not on my radar radar as far as like guys that I would have picked. But I could see why you think like defensively that he he's a good fit. Um, I don't know. He doesn't like. I don't get hyped for it. I don't think it's it's the fix. But you're not a
0: Covington fan. I could not relate. <laughs> Robert Covington is outstanding, and I think the fact that I and I personally think that he was, I, I think he was a great. I think he's a great player. I think the only reason that he doesn't get talked about as much is because he played for the Process Sixers, and then he went to Minnesota, where the whole big thing there was. Tom Thibodeau playing his starters 45 45 minutes a night in November. I think Robert Covington's a supremely talented player. I think he's on a relatively manageable contract. I would love for Denver to go get him. I think that he brings that size. You were talking about you wanting a physical guy that can body with LeBron and with Kawhi and, honestly, AD on certain nights. Covington's
2: that guy. The, I just don't think he's a killer uh, offensively. He's not fixing your
1: offensive struggles. I, mean, I don't think he fixes the the offense at all. There, I mean, there's definitely for his career. He's a like, thirty
0: six point per, percent three point shooter. You're right that he's not knocked down. He's not JJ Reddick. He's not the Latvian Laser or any of those guys. But.
2: Who could be the Latvian Laser? No
0: one. God, the Latvian Laser. <laughs> I, 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 I'm okay with it. Like, of the people you mentioned, it's Covington. Then the Latvian Laser is number two for me.
1: Wow. And honestly,
0: it's 1A and 1B. They're really close. What if they and got part,
1: both of them? Oh, God.
0: And I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I... I I'm buying two jerseys.
1: You have to give up, you have to give up Gary Harris or Will Barton in order to get one of them in all likelihood, um, I, or in I order to get both of them. But if, if you add like, let's say, let's say they have to give up Gary Harrison a deal. It's, it would be tough. It would be tough to say goodbye to him. He has been victimized by injuries in his career in Denver it's really tough. He's been here throughout. He's been here since the Brian Shaw era and has stuck it out and been great. But I don't know if Denver is in that position where they can, uh, where they can get sentimental in that situation. If they need to win a champ, if they're looking to win a championship, they got to do what they got to do. And Barton's playing great. I... Uh, he he deserves just as much credit as Gary Harrison has actually been here just as long. So yeah, it's it's very possible. I just
2: think that for whatever reason, I really feel like Gary's untouchable to them. I think that Nicola, Gary, and Jamal are the untouchables. Like, I don't think that front office would give any of those three guys up.
0: I you're kind of, of, you're, you're maybe, maybe right. I get what you're saying. Like, I and I think that a lot of it has to, like with Nicola and with Jamal. Those guys are like stars, and Nicola's a superstar. Jamal is a budding superstar. Like the guy, if he can just. If you could just keep up this pace, there's going to be a lot of people talking about him by the end of the year. For Gary, I think he personifies exactly what Denver wants. And he, I think that's why – I think Michael Malone loves Gary because of and, – and also Mason Plumlee to this, a certain extent. The guys don't gripe about their touches. They show up. They do their job. They go home. They're The, the phrase is they're lunch pail guys. Like they show up. They do their job. They go home. And they. I think that that's why the Denver front office probably loves them so much is because they fit so well with what this team and this community. And the, like, Obviously, I'm not from Denver. I'm not from the area. But it's a smaller market. It doesn't get the publicity. Like The Denver Broncos are bad this year. And I know that they're still getting more hype and pub than the Nuggets are just because that's how it is. Gary is exactly what the front office wants, and that's why he probably – I mean, and I think you're right to a certain extent. Like He seems like an untouchable. Of the three, I think he's the most touchable, but I still think that Denver would have to be blown away. (laughs) I know that sounds really weird.
1: The most touchable.
0: (laughs) Most acquirable. How about that? (laughs) There you Um, go. The 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 most ready-made
1: for a trade.
0: Yeah, I think Denver would be willing to give him up, but I also think that they would have to be blown away with an offer before they were willing to do that. So I think Jenna, you hit the yeah. nail right on the head there that if you had to move one of those guys, I think it would be Barton. Uh like if they I think Barton would be the one that they would have to move over moving Gary, even though Barton is playing significantly Barton's better been this year. Much Plus better. he's yeah. Barton's playing good on offense and his defense this year has been outstanding.
1: We're gonna have to see what happens. And when we talk about trade season the Nuggets haven't made a significant trade in a long time. They've made fringe deals. They've made fringe moves. They they shipped off Emmanuel Mudiay for a second round pick. They uh they I didn't, they didn't even make a deal at the at the deadline last year. They they acquired Jeremy Grant for a first round pick so that they couldn't so that they didn't have to give up one of the guys on the roster on in the rotation. They, well, and
2: I think that's because they really feel like these are their guys at this point. But I think this is the first sign of like trouble, first sign of it's not working.
1: And if they trade guys at the first sign of it not working, then that's, that's probably a panic move. I don't think any of these things are going to happen very soon. But we have to talk about them now because December 15th is coming up. The NBA is about to start getting into rumor season where – all of like Woj is is very active in the rumors and, and sharing his perspective and his insight on what Kevin Love is going to do and where Robert Covington's going to go. And if Davis Bertans is going to be on the move and what's going on with JJ Redick, like all of these guys are going to be the subject of rumors for the next couple of months or until they're traded. Uh, that's just yeah. just how this is going to work. So we're going to see what happens. I don't know if I expect the Nuggets to make a trade over this next month or so. I would be floored. I, I would be floored if they do actually. But if they don't make one by the trade deadline in February, I would be floored. I think it's a 95% likelihood that they make a trade that alters the rotation because it's not currently working. Oh, they'll
2: definitely do it by February, but I think that that they could do something right now that like to test it out. I mean, it seems like they're doing a lot of testing with the rotation anyways. Why not do a trade, test it out, see if it works, you know. But, again, that's all the money side of it where you're, like, trying to figure out, you know, like, is this worth our the risk uh, comes into it for them. But potentially, I think they could do it, and then if they don't, like what they got and it's not working for them flip something into future picks or something like that by the trade deadline Do you think that's
0: similar to like what the milwaukee bucks did last year like everyone was expecting them to make a big splash because they were obviously lighting it up and everyone's like oh they're at the deadline they're going to make another move but they'd already made their move at the beginning of december with george hill like he was their big acquisition and
1: no remember they acquired nicole and Miritich.
0: Did they oh that they, they did and he fell out of the rotation because he couldn't hit anything
1: well no he he was there he was he was he wasn't good when he got there but he was there and they continued to play him but you're right like he he became kind of invisible because of that but he was their big splash uh Toronto obviously made their big splash by acquiring Marcus all uh Boston never made a big deal even though they probably should have Philly made a big deal in the east uh, the West, it wasn't as active, though, because it was the Warriors and the Warriors were inevitable. But that's not the case this year. It's just – it's the Lakers and the Clippers and those teams are beatable. Like, I, I genuinely events? believe. Yes. Nice. Yes, it is. I'm a big – I'm an MCU guy. I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> okay. We are, we are way over our time. So – I'm going to send you both home and and say thank you for coming on to the podcast today. Any parting thoughts on trade season before we head out?
2: I have a parting thought on Carmelo. Apparently, he gave a quote recently about hoping that his jersey was retired in... that the Knicks would retire the number seven at some point, and uh, I'm offended. Why does he want to be retired there, and why doesn't he want to be retired here in Denver? we were the people who loved you first
1: it does seem a little bit weird doesn't it like it um, does seem like yes like- it's a
2: li-
0: it's a little weird until you consider it's mellow and mellow was always like the big city guy like that was always his big thing like that's why yeah, he wanted to go to new syracuse york. he wanted yeah. to go to new york because yeah. that's where like he went- obviously he went to syracuse he wanted to go to new york he wanted out of denver and then he realized that new york was awful and it was ran by a terrible owner
2: I think he just thinks that like if his name numbers hanging in MSG. MSG, like it means more than if his numbers are hanging in our rafters, but Denver loved him harder. They loved him. I don't know more than they, than they loved him as a Nick and no, I don't think people loved him as a Nick. I think he was mostly hated and um, I'm offended.
1: Yeah. We're going to see what happens so when he comes to in, to in Thursday. He's, he's, so I can ask him about it. Yeah. He's coming in tomorrow night. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. This this Portland team is, has had a major bounce back since since acquiring Carmelo. He's kind of helped them right the ship, though they haven't been perfect. Uh, he has taken advantage they of, a lot of, of the Chicago Bulls and the New York Knicks, so good on him. Um, okay, that's going to do it for us at the Denver Stiff Show. Make sure to check out denverstiffs.com for all of the latest uh, stats, analysis, recaps, articles, uh game threads there will be a game thread tomorrow for the the portland game make sure to check that one out lots of people lots of hardcore nuggets fans chatting it up over there um and yeah we'll keep it tuned to the denver stiffs podcast network jenna had a her debut episode in uh coming Hello. out on denver stiffs for the the chicken nuggets podcast so make sure to check that out on denver stiffs as well um gage you want to plug anything
0: um i will as always i write a column every friday i don't know what i'm gonna write about yet um so i'm gonna have to figure that out in the next 24 hours but it'll be out on friday you're
2: gonna write about carmelo and how he dissed the nuggets with his comments i will leave that and i'm gonna get you. a quote from him tomorrow i'll leave that to you
0: um jenna that is all yours uh, i will figure something out um as always, uh, at for NFL on Twitter. Uh, I know I'm. This is an NBA podcast, but I and I. But I write about the NFL and the NBA and fantasy football. So if you ever want to talk about anything, whether it's movies, music, trivia, whatever, hit me up. Um, try to respond to everybody. Glad to be here again. Thanks everybody for listening.
1: Good stuff. Thanks you guys. We'll see you guys. And oh, she's at Vita 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 Vita. Vita. That's 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 the. That's correct. That's find me there. Exactly where she's at. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>